Welcome. Parshas B'midbar of Hodesh commands Moshe and Aaron that when the Nei Yisrael are in the Midbar, they must encamp in a particular formation. They must encamp Saviv Lo'el Moyed. They must arrange their camps, their people, around the oil made around the Mishkan, each al digloi, each person, or each, what it really means is each shavit upon or near its flag, the osos, the vase of a sum, with signs to the houses of their fathers. Without going into all the details, what it means is, it means that there were four camps, one to the east of the Mishkan, one to the south, one to the west, one to the north. Each camp consisted of three tribes. And each, each one of these camps had a flag. Could be that each, uh, it sounds like from Rashi that each, it's not 100% clear to me, maybe to others it is. Um, it could be, I would say, that each Shevet also had its own flag. Certainly each camp. So for example, Machane Yehuda, which was the camp on the east, which consisted of the tribes of Yehuda and Yisachar and Zvulun. So they definitely had one, they definitely had a flag, which, were, <clears throat> which represented that whole camp. Did each Shevet have a flag? Uh, if I had to say myself, based on what I see in Rashi, I would say not, but that's not our main point here. So the Torah tells us, the Torah commanded Moshe Rabbeinu that they had to encamp, they had to arrange themselves in these machnas. And the Torah begins, the Torah begins with the first machne, which is Degel Machane Yehuda. It is the flag of the camp of Yehuda. And it tells us who is the Nasi of Bnei Yehuda. And it tells us how many people belonged to Shevet Yehuda. And then it tells us that together with Yehuda, uh, each tribe of Yisachar is supposed to encamp, and next to them, the tribe of Zebulun. And then the Torah sums up as follows. All of the numbers of the camp of Yehuda, Ma'as Elif, it is 100,000, Ushmanim Elif, and 80,000, the Sheshis Elifim, so 186,000 and 400 in their masses and their numbers. Okay, there were so and so many people in the Machane Yehuda. They shall travel first. We're going to concentrate on this part of the Yiso. They shall travel first. Now, Rashi says about that. When they would see the cloud, the cloud of glory, removing itself. Normally, when they were encamped in any particular place for any amount of time, so the Anon would rest over them. But then at a certain point, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu decided, they would see this cloud depart. So then, then the Kahanim would blow on trumpets. That's a signal. And then Machani Yehuda would travel first. They would begin to move in whichever direction 
Moshe Rabbeinu would uh, direct them to go. She says when they would go, when they would walk, they would go in the same formation <clears throat> in which they encamped. Meaning, the Levium and the wagons which would hold the various parts of the Mishkan in order to transport them to the next place. They would be in the middle. Degel Yehuda the Mizrach, the flag of Yehuda, meaning the three tribes, Yehuda and the two accompanying tribes, would be on the east. Shalruven the Dorim, the three tribes that went together with Ruven would be in the south. Shalafrayim the Marav, the three tribes uh, that go with Ephraim, they would be in the in the west. Vishaldun, Vitzafain, and the camp of Dun in the north. Okay. That's the Rashi. If I could summarize my question on this Rashi, I would summarize it down to three English letters. T-M-I, too much information. Rashi is telling us many facts here, none of which seem to come from this puzzle. They all seem to come from later Pesukim. Of course, as I've stated so many times, Rashi's derech, Rashi's way of, Rashi's approach to explaining the Chumash is to look at each Pasuk one at a time and to tell us what that Pasuk and to help us understand what that Pasuk is saying, not to bring in all kinds of other information. Now, this Pasuk says, that Machani Yehuda shall travel first. They travel first. What's it mean they travel first? It means they don't travel second or third or fourth or fifth. They travel first. Rashi puts in all kinds of additional information here. He tells us when do they know to travel? When do they know? They know to travel when Anon missed the lake. When the, when the cloud dissipates or moves away, they know it's time to travel. Okay, that's true, as we will see in a moment. There's very good basis for that, but the basis for that is not in this Pusik. This Pusik doesn't say when they, how do they know when to travel first? It just says they shall travel first. So one extra thing Rashi seems to add here is that he tells us the simon, he tells us the, the sign that tells us, that tells them to travel. And then he, Rashi tells us another sign, how they know to travel. Because when the, when the, uh, when the cloud just moves away, so then the Kahanim blow on trumpets. And then Nachani Yehuda knows it's time to travel. So Rashi has already told us two things that apparently we didn't need to know. They're not part of this puzzle. And then Rashi tells us a third thing that doesn't seem to connect to this puzzle. He tells us that when the, the Kala Yisrael walked, when they traveled through the Midbar, they traveled in the same formation as when they were encamping. They didn't, they didn't break camp and, and mix, everybody mixes together. They didn't, uh, now everybody could, could stand anywhere. It's not like that. It's not like when they were encamped, you had to be in your place. If you were part of Degel Machane Yehuda, you had to be over here on the south. And if you were part of Don, you had to be over there in the north. But now that we're traveling, anybody can stand anywhere. Or maybe not everybody could stand everywhere, but maybe there would be a completely different formation and configuration. Rashi tells us, no, when they traveled, they traveled in the same way. So you can imagine sort of like a box. Yeah, imagine like a, some sort of a rectangular shape with 
Yehuda over here, and uh, these three Shvatim over here, and these three Shvatim over here, and the three Shvatim over here, and they move like that. They move in the same configuration in which they encamped. That's also very good. There is, as we will soon see, there is very good support for this idea, although not everyone agrees to it. But it's not in this puzzle. So why is Rashi telling us so much information which is not based on this Pasuk and which does not seem to be particularly relevant to this Pasuk. First, let's take a look and see where do these points come from. Rashi says, <clears throat> when Hanun Mistalek, when the cloud of glory would uh, remove itself, so then they would know it's time to travel. So that comes from a Pasuk in Perak Tess. Remember, we're, we are here in Perak Base. That comes uh, seven Krokin, seven chapters later. The Pesach says, according to the removal of the cloud from on top of the oil, meaning when the cloud would be removed by Hashem from on top of the oil, so then afterwards, the Bnei Yisrael would travel. They would sit around in one place for, her, for days, weeks, whatever it was, as long as the Anan was on top of the oil. When the Onan moved away from on top of the Ohel, so then they began to travel. And in the place where the Anan would later come to rest, that is where B'nai Yisrael would encamp. Okay? It's a very clear Pasuk. Rashi has very good uh, authority upon which to say that this was the signal for traveling. Only question is, why does he mention it regarding this Pasuk. Now, Rashi also says that when they were ready to travel, when the Onan moved away, so then the Kahanim would blow on trumpets. So that's in Perik Yud, Pasuk base. It says, Asei lecha shtechat zeistrois keset. Kodesh Baruch tells Moshe Rabbeinu, make for you two silver trumpets, miksho ta'aseh osam, you should make them out of one piece of silver. V'hoyu lecha lemikro ha'eda, they will be for you to call the congregation. Meaning when you want to speak to the congregation, you will blow certain notes on the Chatzot and that'll be a sign that everybody should gather for some kind of a message from Moshe Rabbeinu. And they will be for traveling the camps. Meaning when you want the, the camps to travel, when it's time, you'll blow on the, on the Chatzot and everyone will know it's time to start traveling. Again, what Rashi is saying has very good basis. It's a clear pasuk, but it is not. But it is not our pasuk, and it doesn't seem particularly relevant to our pasuk. And then Rashi says, Rashi says that when they, uh, when they, when they traveled, when they went, and they began to walk, so they walked in the same way that they had been camping. Where does that come from? So that is later in our chapter, Eric Base, Pasik Yud Zion. The Pasik says, When Asa Oyel Moyed, the Oyel Moyed, the Mishkan, would then travel, Machane Halavim, the Seicha Machanais, the encampment of the Levim was in, amongst, in the middle of all of the camps, Kasher Yahanu, Ken Yisov. And just as they encamped, so would they travel. No, I did it again. Sorry. 
pardon me. Gotta be careful about that. The Pusik says, Kasher Yachanu Kane Yisod. As they encamped, so would they travel. Ishal Yado, each person in his place, that's how Rashi explains it, Ladiglehem, according to their Degolim. Each three Shvatim arranged near their flag. Now, Rashi there says, Kasher Yachanu Ken Yiso, Kamoishapirashti. As I explained, where did he explain that? He explained it on our Pasuk. But really, where does it come from? It comes from this Pasuk, Pasuk Yud Zayin, Kamoishapirashti, as I explained. Halichasan Kichaniyasan. They're going, they're traveling, was just like they're encamping. Koldegel Mahalech, the Ruach HaKavuolo. Each flag would go according to the direction in which it was established. In other words, Yehuda was in the east, so they would walk on the east side. And Dun was in the north, they would walk on the north side. They didn't switch directions or turn about face or anything like that. They would, well, I mean, they would, I imagine, turn their faces. I don't imagine that, uh, that if, let's say, they were walking, uh, I, don't, I don't think people had to walk backwards and sideways. They would turn face, but they would not change their position relative to the Mishkan and relative to each other. So Rashi is deriving this from the Pasuk, Heretbeis, Pasuk Yud Zayin, Kasha Yachnu Ken Yisau, that when they traveled, they traveled in the same formation in which they had camped. So Rashi has added, quote unquote, three things to our Pasuk which don't seem to belong, don't seem to be necessary. They don't come from this Pasek, Perikhez Pasek test. All three things have very good sources, each one of them, but they do not seem to be relevant to the Pasek at hand. And therefore we have to understand why did Rashi mention them? And I think <clears throat> the answer to this can be explained as follows. One of the earlier super commentaries on Rashi, somewhat less known than some of the others, is known as Sefer Zikaron. It was written by, um, I forget the author's first name, I don't have it in front of me at the moment, his last name was Bakrat. He was one of the Megurashe Sfarad, one of the Jews who was uh, expelled from Spain in 1492, and he uh, eventually found himself, I believe, in, in North Africa. He wrote a super commentary on Rashi called Sefer Zikaron. He, he explains in his uh, introduction that he called it Zikaron, memory, because he wrote it down in order that he would, should be able to remember all of his various uh, thoughts and explanations on Rashi. In any case, Sefer Zikaron explains that these two words in our Pesach, Rishonah Yiso, that Machini Yehuda should travel first, can be interpreted in two different ways. One way is that Shevet Yehuda should always lead the whole people, the whole nation, in the direction in which they are going. In other words, they're sitting in their camp, so Machani Yehuda is always on the east side and the others on their respective sides. When it's time to travel, if let's say they are going to be traveling north, because that's what Moshe Rabbeinu told them to do, then Yehuda would shift to the north and they would start marching forward. If they were going to travel south, Yehuda would shift over to the south 
and start marching southward. And so too to the west. And of course, well, to the east, it's not too hard to imagine. They're standing on the east side anyway. In other words, when they got ready to travel, they broke camp, they broke the formation of the Machanais, and instead they put themselves into a straight line, always with Yehuda at the front, facing the direction in which they intend to go, and then Yehuda starts to march. This, um, this interpretation Rashi mentions in his commentary on Perik Yud, that's in Parshas Baal He mentions it in the name of the Talmud Yerushalmi. He calls it When they walked, they walked like a long plank of wood, a long, narrow plank. When they encamped, they were in a something of a square or a rectangle. But when they walked, they broke that formation and Shevet Yehuda always went on whichever direction they were intending to go and they would begin to walk. Other part, and that could be what our Pasuk means, Rishonor Yiso, that to whichever direction they're going, that's where B'nai Yehuda would stand, Machani Yehuda would stand, and then they would begin to go. A different interpretation, a different possibility. What does it mean, Rishonor Yiso? It means each camp stays exactly where it was. The same way that they encamped, that's how they traveled. Yehuda on the east, and done in the north, and each one stayed exactly where they were. They did not break that formation even when they were going, when they were traveling. What does it mean, so that Macha and Yehuda should go first? It means they take the first steps. They don't stand any place different from where they've been standing for a week or a month or however long it was. But when the when the when it's time to go, who picks up their feet first? How far do they go before the others start? Probably, I don't know, maybe just a couple of steps, maybe one step. But that's what the halacha that this Pasuk is telling us. That's the mitzvah that this Pasuk is commanding, that when you start, who starts? They have the privilege, they start. They take the first steps. This Rashi also mentioned mentions in his comment in Parashas Baha'u'llah, and he calls it Keteva Hoyum they went like a box, in other words, like a rectangular box, a rectangular or square shape. That's how they encamped each group of three shvatim on a particular side. And that's how they went. They went in that same formation. They just turned their faces towards the direction they intended to go. And then a Yehuda would take the first couple of steps and then everybody starts marching, not behind them, but everyone starts marching in whichever place they are wherever they were when they were encamped in that particular formation. Those are the two possibilities how to explain Rishayna Yiso. Now, Rashi clearly is uh, taking on the second opinion. We'll explain in a minute how we see it in this Rashi, but what Rashi clearly um, understood like the second opinion as we saw in the Rashi on Perik base, Pasuk Yud Zion, because Rashi there, the Pasuk there said, Kasher Yachnu Ken Yiso, as they encamped, so they would travel. 
Rashi says, Halichasan Kechani Yasan, their traveling was just like their encamping, called Degel Mehalech the Ruach Each camp went in the, in the, on the side which was, had been established for it. So Rashi clearly holds like the second opinion. And I think that's what's going on in our Rashi. Rashi saw this Pasuk Rishonah Yiso, and he understood it, that it means that when they travel, they must stick to the same formation that they had when they were encamped. And he brings this out in a couple of ways. First of all, he, he brings in the simon that tells them when to travel. He mentions Anan Mistalek. And he mentions another simon that they had to tell them when to travel, which was Tekin Hakoyanim Bechatzaitzreis, that the Kohanim would blow on the Shaifa, on the Chatzaitzreis. So, in other words, what Rashi is doing is he is telling us that this Pasuk is not referring to how they would look necessarily as they were going. If you would take a look at them uh, 10 minutes after they had started walking, you wouldn't notice how Yehuda was Rishon or Yiso, because really they'd be in the same formation that they had been for a month before sitting in camp. But rather Rash, Rashi is, is directing our attention and telling us that this Pasuk of Rishon or Yiso, when does it when does it happen? When is this mitzvah performed? When is this, when is this observable that they are doing this mitzvah? Only at the moment of departure. When the Anan moves away and the trumpets blow, then, then you could see, then was the time to do this mitzvah of Rishonah Yiso. Then they would be Holchin Kederachani Yasaf. Ruvim in the middle and each camp on its side. But who would step off first? When I say a machane Yehuda to Machane Yehuda would take the first steps. According to the other opinion, according to the opinion that when they traveled, when it was time to travel, they would break up the machanais and machane Yehuda will go stand at the front and everybody would be lined up behind them in a straight line. So now, when is the zman hakiyam? When is the when is the time? That we can see this mitzvah being done. It's not only when the when the trumpet blows and when the cloud moves away. It's the whole time that they're traveling. The whole time they're traveling, you could fly over an helicopter, and what would you see? You would see that the, the Machana Yehuda is Rishonah Yiso. But Rashi doesn't hold like that. Rashi, what Rashi follows the first, the other opinion. Rashi follows the opinion that this whole pasuk is just talking about the moment of departure. And therefore, he talks about the simonim that tell them when to depart, because he's telling us when they did this mitzvah. So all of this information that Rashi is telling us is not extra. It is not irrelevant. It is all there to explain what does it mean, Barishina Iso, and there is absolutely no complaint here of TMI too much information. Okay, that's of course on what I call the technical level. Why? Why is why is all of this? Rashi's opinion is that when they traveled, 
they stuck to the same formation that they had when they were encamped. Why is that? So I think we have to go back to really the first Pasuk about these Machanas, which is Perik Base, Pasuk Base. Perik Base, Pasuk Aleph is just, quote unquote, I put the just in quotes because really that's extremely important that this is something that Hashem said to Moshe and Aaron. If not for the fact that it was Moshe, that it was Hashem telling Moshe and Aaron, it wouldn't be all that important. It would just be a random historical fact. But the, the content of this parsha begins with Perik, with Pasuk Beis. It says, each al some, each man, it really means each shavit upon its flag or near its flag in signs to the house of their fathers, Yachanu B'nai Yisrael, the B'nai Yisrael shall encamp. What does this mean, Be'osos, with signs? So Rashi says two explanations. We're going to focus on the second one, but let's see the first one. Be'osos, called Degel Yilei Ois Mapat Savua Sluyevot. Each flag will have on it an os, it will have on it a sign. What's the sign? Mapat Savua Sluyevot. It would have a colored cloth hanging from the flag, hanging from the flagpole. The color of this one is not like the color of that one. The color of each one it corresponds to the color of the stone that relates to that shavit, which is set into the choshen. Graham Gobel had his his breastplate, and on it were 12 stones, each stone of a different color. They were all different precious stones, and on each stone was engraved the names of one of the shvatim. So if, uh, if Yehuda's uh, stone on the Cheshen happened to be blue, so his flag was a blue flag. Rashi says, and from this, each person could recognize his devil. If you, if it came time to encamp, so you, 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 I don't know where to go. Or maybe you were you were walking around, but now it's uh, time to go home. Time to go to your tent. So how do you know where to go? So you would look for the flag that has the the correct color for you. Parenthetically, I, it sounds to me sounds like to me from Rashi that the, the golem did not have pictures on. Rashi doesn't mention anything about pictures. There is a midrash that mentions pictures. And we often uh, see artistic renditions of what those pictures might be. Rashi sounds like it was simply a colored piece of cloth. That's parenthetical. Let's see now Rashi's second explanation. What does it mean with signs to their father's houses? They encamped in the Midbar according to the sign that their father Yaakov gave to them. When they carried his body back from Mitzrayim to be buried in Eretz Yisrael. Now she's going to tell us that Yaakov told them that they have to arrange themselves around his casket in a certain formation. Shenema, as it says in Bracious, 
Ayasu one of Loi Cain, his sons did for him so, Kasher Sivom, as he commanded him. Now, one might have thought that Kasher Sivom there just means that they carried him back to, to Eretz Israel, as he had told them to do. But Rashi says it means more than that. He commanded them very specifically how to carry him, that Yehuda and Yisachar and Zulun should carry him from the east side. Reuven v'shimon, the God, and Reuven and Shimon and God should, should be standing on the south side of the coffin, etc. And these three shvatim, these three sons on the west side, and these three sons on the north side. As it says in the Midrash Tanhuma on this parsha. So the Oisais the Vesavaisam means they should arrange themselves in the midbar, in their camps, in the same formation, in the same configuration that Yaakov Avinu uh, established when they were carrying his coffin up from its right. Now that's a very fascinating midrash for a number of reasons. But what, what I would like to point out from Rashi's words here from the Midrash are, Yaakov Avinu, when he told them to get into this formation, it was not about uh, how they should rest at night when, when they're along the way from, from, from Israel to Israel in ancient times was a fairly long journey. You're not gonna do it in one afternoon. You're going to have to rest at times. Yaakov Avinu didn't tell them how they should sit when they're resting. He told them how they should carry him. His instructions were how they should carry him from Mitzrayim, how they should go and travel. They should travel in this formation. So therefore, at its very root, I mean, the first Pusik about the Devalim tells us that it is a matter of when you travel. It's also, of course, about how you encamp, because the Pusik also says, that uh, the Pasuk also says, Yachanu B'nai Yisrael. But it's Yachanu, they should encamp, similar to the way that Yaakov Avinu told them to travel. So I think there is a, there is a, the emphasis that even when they travel, it should be the same. Of course, even that is not really getting to the internal reason why. I think perhaps we can explain a little bit but I think it's something that, that can be said and that is important to be said. What we see here, Yehuda was the leader. Yehuda is the tribe from which the kings come, Governor Melech and Shlomo and all of the other, Malchi Yehuda, they were the kings of Kalei Yisrael. Yehuda is the, is the Shevet of leadership. And we see, I think, from these mitzvahs that we are looking at here, and with Rashi's commentary, that a leader has to be willing and ready and able to lead the nation, to lead his people in whichever direction is necessary. East, north, south, west. When they were traveling, Yehuda was always the first one to move. He set the tone. When the other people saw that Yehuda took three steps to the, to the north, they knew, okay, we're traveling north. He goes first. A leader has to be willing to do all kinds of different things. Sometimes he has to embrace the old. He must stick 
firmly to the path of our forefathers and not allow any changes. Sometimes a leader has to do something new. Sometimes new times call for, for new ways of doing things. Maybe, not only maybe, but definitely the, the, the goal of these new methods is to reach the same goals that were reached in the past. Torah, Yeres Hashem, etc. The, the, the welfare of Kali Yisrael. Of course, those are always the goals. But how do you do it? Sometimes how you do it does have to change. And a leader has to be willing to do that. Sometimes a leader must lead the people in a way of Qumrah. He must be very strict about certain things and, and, and non-flexible about certain things. And sometimes the proper thing is to be mako, is to be lenient and to allow some flexibility. Sometimes a leader has to be very strong-handed. A leader has to punish those who, who disobey, punish those who step out of line. Sometimes a leader has to be very kind-hearted and soft-hearted, has to be very forgiving, et cetera, et cetera. There are a hundred or more than a hundred, an infinite different number of directions that a leader has to be willing and able to go in in order to accomplish in order to achieve the goals that his people need to achieve. That is represented by Yehuda, the leader, always stepping off first. Whatever direction they're going, Yehuda takes the first steps. But on the other hand, we see from Rashi anyway, Rashi's opinion is that although Yehuda takes the first steps, he never leaves his position on the east side. And all of the sub-leaders, the leaders of, uh, of, of Machane Reuven, they always were on the south. The leaders of Machane Ephraim, they were always on the west. That is that even though the leader has to go in all different directions, depending upon the time and the situation, but his basic nature never should never change. When the leader is, feels that it is necessary to be lenient about certain things, that doesn't mean he, he lost his dedication to the absolute commitment to mitzvahs. Doesn't mean he, he, he became lax. Eh, mitzvah is not so important. I'll, I'll pask in every Shiloh Lakula. I'll be lenient to that every. Uh, he is the same. He must be have that same unwavering dedication to, to the truth and to Torah and to Halacha. And when he is very machmer, because sometimes that's sometimes that's what the moment and the situation requires. It doesn't mean he loses his, his rachamim. It doesn't mean he loses his sympathy for other people. It doesn't mean that he forgets what other people are going through. But he knows that at the moment, this is the moment for homer. And sometimes he has to toe the line. He has to say, tradition, tradition. We're not allowed to do anything new. That doesn't mean that he forgot how to, how to be innovative. Of course he has to know how to be innovative. You can't be a leader without innovating. You must, you must adapt to the times. It doesn't mean you change the Torah, but a leader must know when and where and how to accomplish the goals in new ways. Sometimes the way that the best way to accomplish the old goals 
is to follow in the old ways. Sometimes not. But when he is following, when he is insisting on the old ways, that doesn't mean that he has lost his essential nature of being a potentially flexible person, because he must be. I think perhaps this is what is symbolized by the fact that Yehuda, on the one hand, always led. He always took the first step in whichever direction it was. But on the other hand, he always maintained his same position of being on the east side.